The general manager meetings are ongoing in Scottsdale. Agent Scott Boris is talking about Taylor Swift, and it's time to discuss the five steps to a perfect San Francisco Giants offseason. Welcome back to another edition of the Kerry Crowley Show, talking all things Giants baseball. And yes, today at the outset of the offseason, now that the World Series is behind us, now that the Giants have hired their manager and Bob Melvin, it is finally time to move forward and start talking about the different personnel moves the Giants can make to get significantly better in 2024. So right now we're going to talk about the dream scenario for the Giants this offseason. The dream while being, albeit a little bit realistic as well. Like what could go absolutely perfectly for this organization? And so I say all of that knowing that if they get one or two of these things done, the organization, the Giants front office, might view this as a successful offseason. But I think that they should strive for much higher. I think the fan base expects much more this offseason. I think it is time for Farhan Zaidi to move away from the you know smaller deals that he's made over the course of the last few offseasons, over these contracts that he's made with, say, Michael Conforto and Ross Stripling, where if they have a good year, they're clearly opting out. If they have a bad year, they're back in San Francisco, which is why Sean Manaya opts out after his great second half of the season. Ross Tripling, Michael Conforto are back as members of the San Francisco Giants next season. So enough with the players who are already in the fold. Let's talk about the guys that the Giants need to go out and get this offseason. I think the marquee opportunity for the Giants actually isn't Shohei Otani because I don't know how realistic it is for the Giants to put all their eggs in the Otani basket and wait for the Otani market to unfold and wait to give him the 10 or 12 year, $500 million deal that he clearly deserves. Look, I don't think anyone would be saying, uh, no, we don't want Shohei Otani if he were to come to San Francisco. In fact, it would be the absolute dream scenario. It would be the best thing to happen in the franchise, maybe since Barry Bonds came to San Francisco in the offseason preceding the 1993 season. But seriously, if we're talking about player acquisition, I don't know how realistic it is that the Giants sign Otani. The Red Sox are rumored to be big into him, the Mets, the Cubs, and of course we know the Dodgers have held off from spending a lot of their cash to make sure that they have the opportunity to make a run at Otani. That's kind of the nightmare scenario for the Giants. We're talking dream opportunities on the free agent trade markets right now, but the nightmare for the Giants is that Otani comes to the National League West, plays for the division rival Dodgers, and keeps them relevant for the next decade. So avoid Otani and the Dodgers at all costs, but let's talk about specifically what the Giants can do aside from bidding $500 million on Shohei Otani, because we all know that that decision is going to really create a domino effect this offseason. I hope it's kind of resolved around the winter meetings, because I think that there's a lot of other really interesting players the Giants could pursue this offseason, but I do think that the market in general this winter could be held up, at least the top end of the market could be held up by a player such as Otani waiting for that big offer and waiting to decide where he's going to spend the rest of his baseball career. So let's talk about five things the Giants should do outside of Otani to make sure that they are in position to contend in the National League West in 2024. And the first to me is very clear. I think that this is a Giants organization that is at its best when they build through the pitching staff. And the best pitcher available on the market, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who has been tremendous in Japan with the Oryx Buffaloes. He just turned 25 this year. I think he's going to command a deal somewhere in the 8 to 10 year range. So you're committing long-term, twice as long, really, if you go 10 years, as you committed to Logan Webb when you gave him that five-year $90 million 
deal at the outset of the 2023 season. But the reason to go after Yamamoto is because I think he has the potential to be a true ace and maybe the best pitcher to ever come to the United States from Japan. Of course, there are plenty of pitchers who've had a ton of success, have had tremendous impact on the organization that they've joined, both from Korea and Japan. Pitchers like Kode Senga in the National League Rookie of the Year race coming over from Japan had a really good year for the New York Mets. But I think that the Giants' best opportunity to sign a marquee free agent is to go after Yamamoto and pair him at the front of their rotation with Logan Webb for years to come. And so a number of the reasons I like Yamamoto are because I think he profiles, well, he profiles as a great pitcher in any rotation, but I think he profiles as a really good pitcher in the Giants ballpark and with this Giants ethos that Farhan Zaidi has basically brought to the organization in 2018 when he first stepped in, took over as the president of baseball operations. His whole goal was dominate the strike zone. That means pitchers throw strikes, hitters only swing at strikes. You avoid walks on the mound, you take walks at the plate, and Yoshinobu Yamamoto strikes out players and does not walk players. I think, let me check the stats. 1.21 ERA over 164 innings this year in Japan, which is just tremendous. It doesn't matter if you're pitching Major League Baseball, AAA, or if you're pitching in high school baseball. A 1.21 ERA at any level of the sport is outstanding. And Yamamoto clearly dominated that league this year. He also had 169 strikeouts, so more than a strikeout per inning, to just 28 walks. That is masterful control of the strike zone. This is someone who clearly, even at the age of 25, has always known how to pitch on the edge of the strike zone, how to do so effectively. And no, the velocity isn't triple digits. Yes, he does have a splitter, which is a pitch that the Giants really have targeted in the past. You think about Alex Cobb, you think about Kevin Gossman. I just think that there are so many reasons that Yamamoto to the Giants makes sense and that if they are going to hand out the first $200-plus million contract in franchise history this offseason and it goes to someone not named Shohei Otani, to me, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is the perfect person to give it to. So let's move on from there because just bringing in Yamamoto is not going to be enough for the Giants to call this a successful offseason. It will be enough to sell more season tickets, to say that they finally signed the big star in free agency. It will be enough to generate excitement, but will it take a team that won 79 games and immediately transformed them into a playoff contender? I don't think so. I think there are a number of different things that the Giants need to do, and I think that they can also help themselves by going overseas, by going to Korea and signing center fielder Jung-Hoo Lee out of the KBO. Lee has been a star outfielder for the heroes in the KBO for the last four or five seasons. Uh, He's walked more than he's struck out in each of the last five seasons. So you want to talk about dominating the strike zone? This is a hitter who absolutely knows how to do that. And look, he's not going to hit for gigantic power. In 2022, he hit 23 home runs. That was his career high. Only six this year, but dealt with an injury. So he played in fewer than 90 games, but this is someone who every year of his professional career over in Korea since the age he turned 18 has hit over 300. And I think everyone who thinks about this Giants organization, one of the main critiques over the past several years has been, look, they're so focused on analytics that they devalue players with high batting average. They devalue players who are able to put the ball in play. Tyro Estrada has kind of been the antidote to that because Estrada doesn't walk as much. He does put the ball in play. And he's not, look, he's not the free swinger that Pablo Sandoval was, but 
I think that this Giants lineup could use a few more hitters like a Tyro Estrada. I don't know that Lee is the perfect comparison to him, but if you pair those two at the top of this Giants order as table setters for this team, and they're starting every single day as right-handed hitters, whether you've got a righty or a lefty on the mound against you, you're not platooning at either of those positions, second base or center field, I think the Giants would be well set up to score often and score early in games because you've got hitters who understand how to put the ball in play, understand how to get on base in Jung-Hoo Lee and Tyro Estrada. And I think that they would be the perfect complement for each other. So you're talking about someone who hits for average, someone who has a solid glove in center field, and you don't have to worry about you know easing Luis Matos into that role, finding a different center fielder on the open market this year. We're talking about someone who's 25 years old and is going to come over and immediately plug that gap. And I was having this conversation on Tuesday. I had the opportunity to fill in for Adam Copeland on KMBR with Tom Tolbert. We we're talking about when's the last time you felt really confident in the defensive player that the Giants have started in center field for back-to-back seasons. Because there have been times, look, Steven Duggar played a great center field for the Giants, but he was never the full-time starter over a multi-year span. And right now, if the Giants are looking at their current roster, they could say, maybe Luis Matos takes that job in 2024. But that's a huge question mark. You're putting a lot on a kid who's just going to be 22 years old and might eventually profile better in the corners, even though his bat profiles as a center fielder, because he doesn't hit for much power just yet. And he doesn't walk a whole lot. He likes to put the ball in play, almost has that Estrada-like approach. And so we're talking about the opportunity to fill a void that has existed in San Francisco basically since the Giants opened Oracle Park. We're talking about a player who can immediately come in, fortify your lineup, hit in the leadoff spot, or hit down toward the bottom end of the order against right-handed pitchers if he struggles to acclimate to pitching in the United States. But someone who, bottom line, is going to hit for average, play solid defense, and is worth a seven, eight-year contract. Because, again, he is not someone who's hitting free agency at 28 years old like Cody Bellinger, 29 or 30 like a Matt Chapman is right now. We're talking about someone who's coming over at 25, 26 years old is going to be a difference maker. And the other thing that I like about both Yamamoto and Jung-Hoo Lee, players coming over from Japan and Korea, they won't cost you a qualifying uh, offer pick this year. So the Giants won't have to forfeit a compensatory draft selection to sign either of those guys. Yes, you'll pay the posting fee that those teams will require you to pay. And that's significant money. It's nothing to scoff at. And if Greg Johnson's serious about breaking even, it might be hard to pay two two posting fees. But you know what's really hard? Giving up draft picks for a Giants organization that absolutely has to get better on the farm and has done a very good job under Farhan Zaidi of maintaining their draft picks, of acquiring compensatory selections when guys hit free agency. I think the Giants need to sign guys this offseason who they aren't going to have to give up those picks for, which is one of the reasons, you know, I'm not so sure Matt Chapman fills the void the way that the Giants need to fill the void in the middle of their order because is he really a true number three or number four hitter in the current Giants lineup right now? I don't know that that's the case, and he's going to cost you a compensatory draft pick. So I like the idea of getting Matt Chapman to be your everyday third baseman. He plays gold glove caliber defense. You're talking about someone on the open market who I think you know would jive with Bob Melvin, obviously has the connection from their days in Oakland, but if we're thinking about the best way to fortify this Giants lineup and the best way to make sure that the Giants have paths to be successful in the future, it's to sign, in my opinion, Jung-Hoo Lee, forego the idea of signing Matt Chapman. Look, they're not independent of one another. You can 
definitely go out and get both of those players. But for Lee, you don't have to give up the draft pick. For Chapman, you do. And I think that I would rather solidify center field than I would third base, where maybe J.D. Davis stays one more season and plays that position. Maybe Casey Schmidt evolves into your everyday third baseman next year. But I don't think that is as pressing of a need for the 2024 San Francisco Giants. So first two steps to the dream offseason, sign Yamamoto, sign Lee, dominate that market, and then get to work in other aspects of roster building. I think the signing of stars is absolutely mandatory for the Giants this offseason. The signing of top-tier talent who you know really fill out the one, two, three, and four spots on your roster, that's critical because Logan Webb is definitely part of that top three players. He's good enough to be in that you know, conversation, of course, in the Cy Young conversation right now, but you really need either an ace to pair with him or a middle-of-the-order hitter. And let's say you don't get Otani, you need someone who can play every single day and occupy an important spot in the batting order, and that's where I think Jung-Hoo Lee helps. So let's talk about other ways the Giants can get better this offseason. I really do believe, I mentioned this earlier in talking about signing Yamamoto, the Giants are best when they build through their rotation. So you bring in Yamamoto, at a certain point in the offseason, when the Giants were thinking about that idea, they were thinking about having Alex Cobb ready to go by opening day. But Alex Cobb undergoes this hip surgery. He won't be ready to pitch until at least May. It might take him longer to ramp up. And who knows what he will look like coming back from this hip surgery at 36 years old. And so Kyle Harrison, can he eventually be your number three starter in 2024? I think the answer to that question absolutely emphatically from me is a yes, but will he be at the outset of the season when you still need to win games? Remember, it's a long season, 162 games, but the games in April count just as much as they do in September. And so that's why I would go out and I would acquire a true number three starter, a middle of the rotation guy, and maybe someone who could perform like a number two starter because the Giants would be better off building with pitching based on the free agent market this offseason than they would building with the middle of the order. Because I'll get to this in a moment. You look at the bats available, and there just aren't middle-of-the-order guys who you can really count on, whereas there are a ton of free agent arms who I think should be really enticing to the San Francisco Giants. So if you're Farhan Zaidi, who do you look at? What is this rotation missing? I think a veteran left-hander like an Eduardo Rodriguez. Look, the guy's already a legend for the San Francisco Giants because midseason, he turned down an opportunity to go to the Dodgers. He exercised his no-trade clause with the Detroit Tigers. Giants fans absolutely loved that moment. And now Eduardo Rodriguez can become a forever Giant by actually donning the uniform and signing with this team. I think he had three years, something like $41 million, $49 million left on his deal with the Detroit Tigers when he opted out. But the Giants have an opportunity to sign someone like him, maybe a Sonny Gray who's got a relationship with Bob Melvin and a relationship with Mike Yastrzemski as well. I believe they were teammates at Vanderbilt or at least work out together at Vanderbilt in the offseason as they were both members of that Commodore program. And so you're talking about some of the higher upside, number two, number three types on the market this offseason. No, he's not an Aaron Nola. No, he's not a Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery. But I do think that if you're building this rotation, you sign a Yamamoto, you have a Logan Webb, who's a Cy Young caliber pitcher, if you add a really good number three to that mix who kind of profiles as a number two in other rotations, then you're cooking with gas. Then you've op got an opportunity to offset the fact that your lineup might not be a top 10 lineup in the National League, might not be a top 15 lineup in Major League Baseball. But if your starting rotation is really good and your bullpen's good, and we know that Farhan can put together a bullpen, then I think the Jazz will be better positioned to succeed next season. So 
What else do they have to do aside from really fortify and focus on the rotation this offseason with top-end talent and get a bat in here? I think it's find someone, whether it be through a trade or whether it be through free agency, who profiles as a middle-of-the-order hitter, who's someone who can hit in the three, four, or five slot, who can hit for power. Because I think last offseason, their hope was in signing Mitch Haneker and Michael Conforto one of those guys would break out and hit 25 or 30 home runs. And I think that that is still the hope internally, but we saw what they look like in 2023. Neither of them look like they would end this 30 home run drought streak the Giants have had dating back to Barry Bonds being a member of the San Francisco Giants lineup. And no, you can win the World Series different ways. They did it in 10, 12, and 14 without a 30 home run hitter. But I think that it is increasingly difficult to have one of the best lineups in baseball without having someone who strikes fear in opponents' eyes when he is on the lineup card. And the Giants simply don't have that. And so I think that this part is the greatest challenge for the Giants this offseason because if you're looking at the available free agent hitters who might profile as middle-of-the-order bats, it's Cody Bellinger, it's maybe Matt Chapman, and then the drop-off is significant. So we're talking potentially about a trade. Maybe you you call up the New York Mets, find out what it would take to get Pete Alonso. Maybe it's going to take absolutely everyone aside from a Kyle Harrison and a Marco Luciano. But to me, this is a time where if you're going in on Yamamoto, you're going in on Jung-Hoo Lee, if you add someone like a Pete Alonso to your order, you target the San Diego Potters and say, hey, our, our top five prospects outside of Luciano and Harrison, will you take those guys? I think then you fixed yourself with a nice middle of the order. And I don't believe that the Potters will look to trade Juan Soto to the San Francisco Giants. I don't think that they would go in the division this offseason, but I do think you at least pick up the phone, you make the call, you make a really bold offer. And look, the Giants have plenty of young, interesting players who are worth taking a flyer on. And you know, you could say send back a, a Yastremski or a Slater in that deal for Juan Soto, and the Padres will have a ready-made major league outfielder. And then you include a Mason Black, a Keaton Wynn, uh, a Joey Barton, Elliot Ramos in that deal, and there are plenty of young players who can help the San Diego Padres or the New York Mets or whoever the Giants look to trade with this offseason if they're looking for a middle-of-the-order bat. But realistically, there's a name under the radar right now who I think could help this team, and it might be a big gamble. But look, if they get Yamamoto and they get Lee or another equally talented position player, I think they ought to look at signing Reese Hoskins to a one-year, $20, $25 million deal, whatever it takes to get him on the one-year deal pillow contract for him this offseason. Scott Boris was talking about it at general manager meetings earlier on Tuesday. Reese Hoskins is a Sacramento area guy. He can come home, play in front of his family after taking the entire season off this year due to the ACL tear that he had. Look, he was looking to come back for the postseason, so we know he's almost healthy, ready to go. He'll be ready to go by spring training. I think he come home, bring a kid who I knew grew up listening to KMBR, Uh, bring him home, play for the San Francisco Giants. That's an opportunity to fortify first base. And then maybe you're talking about a better order while still having money to go out and get those pitchers that you need. Because I do think the Giants would be well served to sign two of the better pitchers on the market this offseason. Now, can they afford all this? Can they afford Yamamoto and Lee and, you know, getting a free agent like a Reese Hoskins in the building? I think for them, it might be difficult, but if there was ever a time to spend, if there was ever a time to try to win back this fan base, the time is now. Like the World Series drought is almost at 10 seasons. The amount of time the Giants have gone since being relevant in the playoffs is significant. They haven't won 
either of their playoff series since 2014. This season, last season, were incredibly disappointing to Giants fans who many have admitted to me that they fell out of love with baseball. And so how do you win them back? You go out and get them talent that they want to watch. The Giants have already instilled some faith, some confidence in the organization by bringing in a well-respected manager, local guy, and Bob Melvin who dreamt of managing the San Francisco Giants one day. What do you do for Bob Melvin? You go out and you get him the players that you didn't give Gabe Kapler, who didn't have enough to win last year or the year before. And I think that that's a way to win back this franchise. That's a way to sell tickets. And that's a way to get people into the ballpark again, because that's what the Giants need to do. They really need to focus on getting people back to Oracle Park, getting people excited about this organization. And it starts with stars. It starts with winning players. It starts with a Yamamoto, a Lee, an Alonzo, a Hoskins, whatever it takes. It starts with doing those things. And so if you're going to do all of that, there's another thing that the Giants need to do this offseason, and that is clear out the deck at the bottom end of the roster, make some trades. And what I mean by that is, look, you know, Joey Bart's time in San Francisco is probably coming to an end this offseason. I don't think you can just run back the same outfield group with a Mitch Haniger, with a Michael Conforto, with an Austin Slater, a Mike Yastrzemski, uh, Luis Matos. I don't think that can be your group of five next season. I think that you've got to seriously consider trades, and whether that's making hard deals and moving players that fans like, like a Lamont Wade Jr. or a Mike Yastrzemski, if it ultimately benefits you in the long run and makes your talent pool better, I think it's a deal that you seriously have to consider making. And so that's why I don't think a, a trade involving some of these young players the Giants auditioned last season, such as a Casey Schmidt or a Tristan Beck or a Keaton Wynn, is out of the question. Because for this Giants team, they've got to change the personnel that was in there the last two seasons. They've already changed the manager, and now they've got to give their new manager, Bob Melvin, enough talent to win with. And so I'm not saying make a trade for the sake of making a trade, but let's say you do sign Yamamoto and you do sign Lee, and maybe you don't want to spend all that money to get Eduardo Rodriguez or Sonny Gray in the building. Maybe that's when you say, hey, Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, and a prospect who still got significant upside and a Keaton Wynn or a Mason Black, you package those three players together and you go out and you get someone who can be your mid-tier rotation guy. You look at the Minnesota Twins. They're a team that's looking to cut payroll. They had some successful starting pitching last season. Maybe they make a deal with them. I think the Giants align with a team such as the Cleveland Guardians pretty well because the Guardians are looking for outfield help. Maybe a Mike Yastrzemski or Michael Conforto fits in Cleveland if the Giants are willing to pay down some of that contract. The Guardians trade back one of their young emerging starting pitchers. And another team we know is always looking to make moves the Seattle Mariners. You know, the Seattle Mariners are a team who, hey, look, they didn't extend the qualifying offer to Teoscar Hernandez. He had a down year up in Seattle, but maybe he becomes a middle-of-the-order option for the Giants. They trade a Conforto up there. They, you know, package some of their young pitching together and bring down one of the young pitchers from Seattle because Jerry Depoto loves to rearrange the deck and he loves to rearrange the deck by making trades with Farhan Zaidi. So there are teams out there this offseason that I fully believe the Giants can make deals with, whether it be the St. Louis Cardinals who are looking to get young pitching in the building and a Tristan Beck, a Keaton Wynn, a Mason Black may appeal to them. I just think that the Giants need to be creative and be assertive at the outset of this offseason. Prove that they're going to be all in on 2024 by signing a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, then going out and getting Jung-Hoo Lee, and then figuring out the rest from there. But that is our five-step look 
at this Giants offseason what they need to do to be successful. One, it's getting the star pitcher, the ace in the building, and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, bringing him over from Japan and making him a focal point of your rotation alongside Logan Webb. Then it's signing Jung-Hoo Lee to fortify center field, give you someone to hit alongside Tyro Estrada at the top of your lineup. Then, thinking about the middle of your rotation, finding that true number three who can at times profile as a number two. Uh, there are guys out there who are really solid major league pitchers who are not making hundreds of millions of dollars, like a Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Nathan Yavaldi, who was just outstanding in the World Series for the Texas Rangers. He wasn't a $100 million guy. I think you can find those players. You step four, find a middle-of-the-order bat, whether it be through the trade market or taking a gamble on someone like a Reese Hoskins who might profile as that guy if you spent your money elsewhere. And then five, you change out the bottom part part of this Giants roster because I think there are pieces who can be moved. There are players who might benefit from playing in different situations this offseason, and the Giants might benefit from bringing in players who need opportunities in their dugout on their roster. And so that is the five-step plan right now. Again, don't make trades just for the sake of making trades, but think creatively about how you can best structure your roster. I think the Giants need to think creatively about third base, first base, their corner outfield spots, their backup catcher spot, and of course, the bullpen as well. So we will do plenty more off-season talk for the San Francisco Giants. This was just talking about the dream scenario. We didn't really even get into Shohei Otani and what signing him would take or would mean for the Giants as an organization. So later on this week, I'll do an episode specifically devoted to Otani and how he would change the fortune of the San Francisco Giants forever if they were to make him the focal point of their offseason. But again, thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this episode of The Kerry Crowley Show. I'm back from vacation, back from Arizona, where I saw a beautiful wedding. Congratulations to my friends. Becky and Miguel, who got married over the weekend, had a horrific travel night back. Didn't get back to New Jersey until about 2 a.m. on Monday morning, I guess it was. But I'm thrilled to be back doing this podcast. If you liked it, please like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe on Spotify, even though I don't think you can comment there. But wherever you listen to your podcast, we always appreciate that. And I promise I will make up for the missed episode last week with more this week. So much more to talk about this offseason. General manager meetings are happening. Scott Boris is opening his mouth. Shohei Otani is a free agent. That's coming up on the next episode of The Kerry Crowley Show.